Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner. Uh, just being able to gab on flights on your cell phone. You know, we all get on a plane and we put it into airplane mode and we, uh, we don't bother with it. We try to use the airplane Wi-Fi, which is never ever any good right you think in today's day and age the uh, they can upgrade the wi-fi on planes a little bit but uh now they're saying that in europe with 5g you'll be able to make calls text stream videos while on a on a flight wow around europe yeah now that that's pretty huge remember there was a time probably early 2000s where they put phones on planes but it was like five bucks a minute to right yeah to use them yeah um, I find that interesting that it would happen in Europe. I guess they must have just you know, multi-jurisdictional plans, mm. right? Like here in North America, you can get Canada-U.S. plans, yeah, and you can pay to have your phone, you know, work in Europe as well. But you know, when you're going from country to country to country, you would think there would be some changes in providers, data rates. Yeah, well, we went to Italy. You just went over with your phone and bought a SIM card there. Right. And then popped yours out and threw that one in. And it seemed, now, we didn't leave Italy. But I, I'll bet you, because they're all so connected, and they they really got that stuff figured out over there. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you that SIM card works Germany, Switzerland, you know, all over the place. And it seems like a great idea until you got a bunch of people on a flight somewhere over Europe. Ma! Ma! I told you, Ma, I'm landing in 10 minutes. What do you want from me? Ma! Oh, this arranging, the arranging of rides in the final half hour of that flight will be just ridiculous. I'm in a Terminal 3. A, a B, a C, a D, I don't know. Find me. Yeah, it would be a bit much. Or someone who just gets on a flight and just talks the entire time. Right. They're going to see family. They catch up on that six hour flight for six hours. Or the business guy. Yeah. Doing deals. This just making deals. Yeah. Way too loud. Talking over everybody. I would think that we could add that to pet peeves on a flight. Now, we will see, I guess, if this goes, um, happens in Europe. I'm sure eventually we'll have it in Canada through the U.S. and this side of the planet. But it will certainly be annoying. And other things that drive us crazy about airline travel are um, when people jump up on the aisle, you know, the plane lands, and they jump up before... They're supposed to. Oh, yeah, the scramble. Like, you're supposed to really do the zipper routine. You know, everybody out, one at a time, side to side, each to each. Let them give them a little room, get their their bag down. Well, I mean, for the most part, if people are jumping up, it's because they're jumping up to start grabbing stuff down from up top. And at least getting that down. So they're ready to go Mm. when it's their turn to go. But they don't sit back down again. They stand there. No, they stand there. Which is fine if you're waiting. I guess if you're, you're trying to jump ahead. That's different. I mean, if there there are some who have connecting flights that they have to rush to, that would make sense. But you would think that you know the airline would take uh, take charge in that scenario and say, "Listen, this guy needs through first. But that's mm-hmm. not going to happen anyway because people are just going to jump up. Yeah, I mean, it's you've got to be really hustling fast if you're like in row thirty three. You've landed. You've got your bag down. You're up on your feet. And then you can still try to, like, march up that aisle and get the hell off of that plane before anybody else. My last flight, it was super frustrating because it wasn't moving at all when people were standing up. You want to stretch. You're just ready to get off the Mm -hmm. flight, right? Uh, And it turned out, like, someone in, like, row three, their bag was stuck in the overhead bin. Oh, jeez. And, you know, there were, like, three or four people reefing on this thing trying to get it out. And, And the entire plane behind them was just backed up 
losing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no coffee. Just, just leave your bag here. Yeah. Get just, it later. Um, all my medicine is in that bag? <laughs> my sleep aids? Forget it. Yeah. No, I and you feel so. I mean, I would be so embarrassed because th- 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 I am really always trying not to hold anybody up or get in anybody's way, and that moment would just spiral me out of. Oh yeah, control. And they were just pulling and pulling, and there was some strap that they had was had somehow gotten wrapped up in the back. But you wanted to tell them, you sit back down, mm. let everyone else off the plate, you and then you got all the time in the world, true, to try and figure that out. That's true. That would be the move. Uh, we hate when someone's kicking our seat. Usually it's a kid, but not always. We get angry. This is a great example of how we have no patience anymore. We get annoyed if people clap when the plane lands without crashing. <laughs> just, a little, just a little thumbs up. It's like I a real Caribbean thing. Yeah. You know, that's small. Those, landing those things on those islands sometimes. Right. Not easy. You know, you go to like St. Martin. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, they, you can see the scenes of it where it's basically just clipping people's hair yeah. as it comes over. <laughs> if you're six two, you're losing your head. <laughs> and it goes, I think it goes like right between two hotels. Like you really got to slide that bad boy in there. When we went down to St. Kitts, they had to bring a new co-pilot on because he had experience landing in St. Oh, Kitts, I guess. The, that's the reassuring. <laughs> that helps. Well, because we got a lot more room in Toronto. Right, yes. You know, you can really bring that bad boy down. But when they land in the Caribbean, it's like thump, and then they're just pounding the brakes. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> Locking them up. Sliding in like Burt Reynolds. Um, we don't like when people are rude to airport staff and flight attendants. We don't like that. people check, uh, cutting in at check-in. Any kind of cutting in line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hate small talk on a plane. But we'd rather sit next to someone who didn't shut the hell up for the entire flight than someone who stinks. <laughs> Actually, speaking of cutting in line, I wasn't cutting in line, but uh, it garnered a reaction from staff at the airport when, you know how they have those, like, the queue that you got to go yeah. through. And so it's wrapping back and forth. And it's not like a metal bar anymore. It's these little things you just strap, just straps, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so for some reason, they had, like, eight rows, but... Their lineup was only taken up two. So you had to go, like, they wanted you to walk around six empty rows. And you weren't having And I just ducked under. Right? And, and the woman was like, look, now you started it, everyone's ducking under. Like, well, why don't you just move them? <laughs> yeah, they really do act like cops out there. Like, oh, you, my goodness. It, it is such an intimidation factor in travel. You know, you just, you want to get in. You don't want to upset anybody. Right. You know, well, it's hurting cats, really. Yeah. Uh, travel used to be air travel used to be quite the nice experience, and it's just we don't we hate it. We just want to get to where we're going. We want no grief. Uh, if someone asks you to switch seats with them, that's annoying. If people won't move on those running walkways, you right. know, some people just stand there and take the whole thing up. If you don't want to walk, you don't have to, but just move to the damn right. Let those <laughs> who want to get by get by. Why is everyone in such a rush all the time? Yeah. And um, almost all of us do not want to sit by a child or baby. As a matter of fact, we'd rather sit by a dog. I'd rather sit by a dog with rabies. Actually, we had a dog on the flight in our in our row, and it silent the entire way. It was oh, fantastic. Sure. Yeah, I'd rather a badger, a drooling, ba- a coyote, <laughs> an angry, angry coyote, rather than a bratty kid. Kirsty Alley, yeah, passed away. Died at 71 years of age uh, after a uh, 
A quick battle with cancer, a short battle, her family says, fought with great strength, leaving us with a certainty of her never-ending joy of living and whatever adventures lie ahead. She's best known, of course, for playing Rebecca Howe on uh, NBC's Cheers from 87 to 93 and had to slide into a role that was not going to be easy because the Sam and Diane relationship was one of the all-time greats in sitcoms. And for her to have to come in and not only replace uh, Diane, but also, in a lot of ways, carried on and did so much better in the character. Because if I remember correctly, and it's been some time since I've seen Cheers, but um, her character, I believe came in and didn't really didn't replace Diane as a new love interest for Sam, but rather Sam was pursuing her all the time. Right, yes. She wouldn't give She's in. The new boss. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she went on to do a show called Veronica's Closet. She was in movies like Summer School and Look Who's Talking. Most people remember her from those films as right. well. Her and John Travolta. That's not been easy for John. He lost his uh, Sandra D. He lost his partner in the Look Who's Talking. Of course, his wife died. Yeah, son yeah Kelly passed. Preston, his son passed away. Yeah. Um, interesting, but Kirstie Alley didn't know this. Um, her real name was Kirstie Alley. She was married to Bob Alley, her high school sweetheart, hmm. in 1970. They were married for like seven or eight years, um, but just happened to have the same last name. So she didn't have to change her name. Huh. And never did change it from that. She was she married on to marry uh an actor named Parker Stevenson later on. But uh He was in uh do you remember the Hardy Boys? Yeah. He was one of the Hardy Boys. Oh really? Yeah, his career they didn't do a it didn't do a whole lot. She I remember her having like a real big cocaine problem. She talked very openly about her drug addictions. And uh she battled weight issues for some time. Um but uh, she was just terrific. Very, very funny in Cheers. And Cheers was so huge. I remember Maria and I going down to, I want to say, it was at the Sky Dome. And, and you sat in the Sky Dome, and they put it up on the, the, the big screen, and out in the outfield there, and we all watched the uh, the finale of really? Cheers. You could get in for free. I think you had to bring a food donation. Wow. The problem was the sound got so lost in the roof. Yeah, you right. You could barely make out what they were saying. But, oh, yeah, it just showed how big it was at the time. Uh, Lady Gaga's dog walker. Remember, he got shot when a guy uh, stole her uh, two yes. French bulldogs. Right. She. Did we ever find out whether or not they were like he knew they were Lady Gaga's dogs, or he just he just wanted these French bulldogs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that um, well, he got pretty goes, heavy really quick, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he he stole the dogs and he shot this guy, and then she put out a five hundred thousand dollar reward. The dogs were found just tied to a pole, so I guess he. Maybe he wanted to sell them and then found out who they were and just panicked. Right. And left them there. Anyhow, he's doing 21 years for shooting. Uh, Ryan Fisher is the guy he shot. Ryan's still alive, but this dude is doing 21 years for it. And, of course, um, the dog walker gave a victim impact statement, and he said, you shot me and left me to die, and both of our lives have changed forever. So, 21 years. Um, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, even rock stars, we had the story uh, last week, I think, of celebrities and what they did before they became movie stars. Well, same for uh, rock stars. For example, Chris Cornell worked at a uh, as a fish handler for a seafood company. He had to wipe up the slime and throw away the fish Ooh, guts. Gross. Guess what we're having for dinner, sweet? <laughs> Maybe he was the spoon man at that point. Maybe he was. Enjoy your lobster bisque. Uh, Kurt Cobain worked as a janitor. Axel Rowe was a manager at a Towers Records in L.A. Deborah Harry was a Playboy bunny at a New York uh, City club from 1973. Wow. Um, Jack White 
He did upholstery and furniture repair and still does it to this day. Really? Yeah, I heard him on a podcast. It's like a hobby of his. He's got like a, a shop on his property and he goes out there and he finds it very relaxing. And you can even, he'll, he'll build your furniture if you order it from him. Huh. Yeah. Mick Jagger was a hospital porter in a psychiatric facility. Rob Zombie was a production assistant on the set of Pee Wee's Playhouse. I've heard that before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they all had to do something. Ozzy worked at a slaughterhouse where he had to cut cows open. That seems appropriate. Would you rather be cutting the cows or cleaning up the fish guts? Ooh. Tough. I don't know. Well, I do like steak. I prefer that to fish, so maybe I'll take the fish guts. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the other experience. How old do we think Mick Fleetwood is? He's got to be in his 70s. Of course, Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac recently passed away as well. Um, but he's got to be probably late 70s. Well, even in his 70s, his balls are worth a lot of money. $128,000 for his balls. What? His wooden balls from the cover of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Someone bought those? They bought the actual balls for 128 grand. Yep, like, what are you gonna do with that? Put them around your rearview mirror. <laughs> Put them clang clanging balls. <laughs> like, what would you do if you went over to some dude's house? He's like, hey, I got my Fleetwood's balls. <laughs> and you, like, want to feel you? Yeah, you want to? You want to? You want to toss them around a little bit? <laughs> and and then he told you you paid 128 thousand dollars for yeah. these things. Yeah. I mean, I think in the on the album cover, I think he's got his foot like up on a footstool. He's kind of on a lean. I think Stevie uh, Nicks is sitting on the ground in front of him, and he's dangling these balls. I bet they dangle more now than they ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Gordy Johnson, Big Sugar, joining us this morning. We're getting ready for Craig and Lucky's Unsilent Night at the Phoenix, and this is terrific. Thank you for doing this with us, Gordy. I know that this hour of the day, probably not a time you would be normally waking up, but rather just going to bed. <laughs> well, oh, gone are the days. You know, um, we're uh, we're down here in Texas, so a little bit of a, a time difference, too. Right. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're fixing the gas up the truck and start driving your way uh, for this show coming up at the Phoenix. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is for a nighttime show. I mean, we've done some festival dates and stuff in Toronto and in the area before. But this is uh, an all-ages show, which is kind of a, kind of exciting for us. Yeah, it's a different element. We haven't done a lot of all-ages shows before. And we're not really sure as to what ages start the all-ages. Like, can we have toddlers in there listening to this at this point? Or uh, or is it a tween and a teen thing? What What are you looking for in the crowd? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ready for the toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you should prep Raffi material at this point, but you know, perhaps stick to what you know. There's some adult content. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it, it's it's kind of cool though to be able to uh, play to people of different generations coming in to hear the music because we do have a lot of younger fans that have. You know, we generally are playing in a licensed venue, so this will, this will be pretty cool. Yeah, and it's an intergenerational Big Sugar as well, because um, half the band are well, not half the band. There's only three of us. Two of them, two of them are in their twenties. 
I'm not in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> you just look like it. I wanted to ask you about that, Gordy, because, uh, of course, with the loss of, of Gary Lowe and, and now bringing in his son, Ben, uh, I mean, we've seen uh, a lot over the, the last couple of years, specifically, uh, you know, that Foo Fighters show that, that happened at Wembley where they brought Taylor Hawkins' son onto the stage. It was such, such an emotional moment for so many people in music. What are the emotions going to be like for you on the stage with Gary's son, Ben? Well, I'm awfully proud of him to be able to, you know, like he he earned a spot up there. He's worked really hard to um to bring his skills and, and musicianship up to up to the level where he. Yeah, of course, I've known him since he was, you know, since he was born. Mm-hmm. So he's he's grown up around uh, our specific culture and, and the way we make music and. Uh, it's kind of like a language, you know, but it's just mm. when it's your band and um, the things that that make us sound like us. So it really, I mean, it, he makes it really sound like classic Big Sugar because that's just what he, you know, that's what he grew up with. I know that uh, Jake Clemens, the nephew of Clarence Clemens, of course, they did the same thing in the E Street Band where he joined after Clarence passed away. And he said, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like having my uncle on stage every night with us still. And so probably that's the same w- with Ben and his dad. He's he's there with you in spirit. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, is, uh, it is pretty spooky at times because if I don't look over to that side of the stage and I just hear the sound it's very familiar <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about the uh, 25th uh, uh, anniversary of the reissue of heated i actually over the weekend putting out the christmas lights had the uh, big sugar because you know it's christmas and big sugar they go hand in hand and i uh, i know of course originally at the bto's let it roll but then adding the wings cover of let me roll it now perhaps you're just a fan of songs that have let and roll in the title <laughs> or like what uh how does a band decide because sometimes honestly i love hearing covers i love it when a band covers another uh, band's song and your wings cover is amazing so how did you land upon uh wings and uh, let me roll it well for us doing a cover it's you know it really has to you have to be able to make it sound like yourself mm. as opposed to i think if you're if you're playing cover music exclusively if that's your job you got to make it ex- sound exactly like a Foo fighters record or mm-hmm. whatever beatles record but we've never taken that approach we've always you know, it's like, well, if this was a Big Sugar song, we would do this. So sometimes it ends up completely different, like in the case of this Paul McCartney and Wings song. I was just a huge fan of the Beatles and Paul McCartney and Wings and stuff, you know, as a kid. So that was just one of those hidden gem songs that wasn't that well known, I think, mm. from Paul McCartney and Wings. And, um, yeah, we just, we Big Sugared it up. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did. I made my uh, first trek to the mall last night to do a little Christmas shopping. Okay. This and is an early start for you, isn't it? Yeah, well, we've got a bit of a secret Santa thing on Thursday okay. we got to go to. So right. We had to pick up a, a gift for that. And so we were walking through the mall, and it was actually dead in there. I was both pleasantly surprised and happy, but I also think malls and stores in general struggle with all the uh, availability online to order your uh, stuff anyhow we're walking through and i don't know what was going on but there had to be about three or four different packs of teenagers packs of wolves okay they're 
fighting, like play fighting on the furniture in the center, you know, the resting areas. Right, yeah. They're play they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They're Fun. rolling all over the floor. Two or three other packs were jumping up and trying to grab the decorations. Lovely. What is going on? With the youth today. Like, I know I was a teenager, right. and I'm sure adults looked at me the same way. It, is Adderall the calming drug? Because they need a lot more of that. Ritalin, yeah. One of them, anyhow. They got to up that. Like, what is going on? And I've, I've had some conversations recently with people who work in education. Kids are out of control. Mm. Like, out of control. Yeah, I mean, one of the theories being just a lack of discipline in general or ways to discipline. Uh, and, you know, the, the timeouts aren't working necessarily. Um, you know, kids, and I think we all are guilty of it at one point in our lives, whether or not we want to admit it or we've forgotten how long ago it was, but are guilty of when in packs doing really stupid stuff. Yeah, oh, I'm sure I was no downright saying. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I was no saint, but I heard this story a couple of days ago of a, a teacher um, basically breaking into a, a a male teacher breaking into the male bathroom because there was some vaping going on or something, and as he swung open the door, it hit one of the kids who was in there vaping. Well, the kid lost. You hit me in the head with the door. I'm gonna sue. Screaming up and down the hallways like there's a lot of just screaming and aggression right. and losing their poop. And I don't remember doing that. Well, again, it, 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 I think some of it comes down to the discipline of it. Right? I mean, it's parenting. Well, yes, and that's what I mean. Because, you know, had that situation happened, and I don't want to go back to in our day, and, mm. and but had that situation happened with me, <laughs> I if I had screamed such things and been told that to my parents then their answer would have been, well, why the hell were you wrong in the first mm -hmm. place, right? Um, and instead of how the teacher wronged you, it yeah. would immediately to the defense of the teacher, and I was the one in the in the wrong. I, Whether I, that is right or wrong, that's just the way it was. And do, you, do we think, well, you're a parent you're with young children in school, so you're at a different stage of it. Mine are all growing up in adults and, out, you know, being annoying, on, <laughs> you know, on their own. But... Like, is there a disconnect between parents and teachers now in that parents will look around at other kids, perhaps, and say, oh, it's difficult, it's tough, those kids need discipline, but don't see it in their own. And, and just the idea that why can't teachers and parents, there used to be a thing when I was growing up, we're kind of, you know, the, it takes a village to raise a kid. Yes, right. And, you know, other parents were allowed to discipline your child if they were acting up in their home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but there seems to be none of that anymore, and and I don't know if a lot of parents, they don't see it in themselves. They see it in others, but they can't see they, they're part of the problem. And why teachers and parents can no longer get along. Here's a, a great example, and, and I would ask you this honestly. You know, when I was in grade 7 or 8, I was acting up in a lineup. I wouldn't shut up. I was being a mouthpiece. And Mr. Cunningham was his name. And he picked me up and he, to shut me up, threw me against the locker. Right. Threw me against the locker. I shut up immediately. Yes. I told my parents. They said, you probably deserved it. Right. Honestly, as a parent in 2022, 
If one of your boys came home and said, Mr. Cunningham threw me against the locker, what would be your response, honestly? Um, honestly, for me, I'm still old school. Mm. I, I believe I would probably say, well, what would you do? Mm. <laughs> Before I go and and talk to the teacher or screaming at the school, screaming at the school for, first or calling my lawyer. Right. Uh, to, to see, am I going to make something out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, my, my first response, and I am old school that mm. way, would be, what the hell did you do? Mm. And I think part of it, um, in, in my opinion, is just the fact that, you know, when we had situations where we were taught respect, it's because we were out and about. I think kids are just out and about a lot less now true right whether or not they're playing at other kids houses they're playing sports whatever it is that they're doing they're they're in less situations i think publicly to learn those lessons of well or be taught those lessons of so and so is in charge you better flip and respect them mm-hmm. um and even when they go to school i think there's there is a disconnect in some senses of parents telling their, their kids hey your teacher's in charge. They are the, mm. they are it, mm-hmm. right? Whatever they say you do, it's, you know, instead there's some who have this rhetoric of, well, you don't let people talk to you that way. Right. right. And listen, walking through the mall, it's not all. There was, a, you know, quite a few. The balance probably did fall in favor of the ones who were just walking about and being respectful. It's just the ones that are just being apes, you know, catch your attention. But I wonder, too, even in parent and teacher meetings nowadays. Now, if a parent goes in and the teacher says, look, you know, little Billy, here's the situation. Do they do they work together or does the parent just become defensive of the child? And there's kind of no cooperation between teacher and parent anymore. That that divide or that 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 uh, combination seems to have been divided. now. Right. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, for some parents. Uh, school is is babysitting mm. in the sense that, and I'm totally guilty of this. I is the communication there? Yes, mm. and maybe more so now because I there are apps. We have educational apps that the teachers post everything on, mm-hmm. all right? And I get notifications of them constantly. Do I look at them all? No. <laughs> You're too busy <laughs> reading hockey stats. Well, again, that's part of my job. Yeah. I got other things to do. That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, do I need to No, It's my kid's job to figure out whether or not his teacher posted homework online for him. It's not True. my job to look at it and say, oh, yes, a reminder, guys, that you, you know, your teachers True. have posted work for you to do. They got to learn these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but that outlet is there. And, and if situations happen, and when they have happened, they have um, for us, we are sent messages from the teacher through that system. Probably more so now in communication than ever, than ever yeah. before. Because what warranted a phone call before... You know, was probably major, whereas minor things now can garner an email and mm. say, hey, you know, Evan's been a little behind on a few projects this right. month. Might want to have him pick up his socks a bit or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but. Don't you talk about my kid's socks. Right. Yes. <laughs> Stop to afford socks. You're picking on him. <laughs> it's it's probably the way it goes. Discrimination. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I, I just, you know, it. it I, I've always said in, in our parent-teacher meetings that, you know, I, we want to be involved. Mm-hmm. We, we want to know if things are... And, and part of it is because both of my kids play rep hockey, 
and and we're they're expected to do schoolwork first. And if that is dragging them behind, I want to know about it, mm-hmm. right? Because they're always excited about, hey, I get to miss hockey or miss school for hockey here, or a tournament here, or I got so much going on with practices and games. Ah, 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 ah. School is still very important and most important. So if there's uh, a disconnect going on there, I want to know about it. So we've always been up front, but very much so whenever you have a parent-teacher meeting, you, you know, it's it's like when you're having company over. You're putting on an act mm-hmm. of how things are at home. Yeah, I, I just, I hear it from teachers. I hear it from EAs and people in my uh, in my circle who uh, just say it's, it's Fort Apache, the Bronx. It's it's well, it's just less consequences. Yeah, right? uh, the, the 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 lunatics run the asylum in some sense. Yeah, the deal. and 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 in some in many senses they run the home mm-hmm. as well too. Yeah. yeah, right. If you can't, there were there were times when you know the threat. My parents will tell me that you know my dad will tell me the threat that he had was was a, a beating. Yeah, at school, at yeah. school, and oh, yeah, I had a threat this... of a beating at home, and yeah. now there's just. And then now, listen. Is is threatening the way to to discipline the only way to discipline? No, but in some some will feel that without any threat whatsoever, then yeah, the prisoners run the asylum. Yeah, I, I think that uh, of course beatings and whippings and all of that stuff that once occurred, of course, wrong. But we've just gone so far the other way uh, that there just doesn't seem to be any um, you know consequences for actions. Again, though. Walking through the mall, yeah, a couple of groups of kids. There was also many others who were just doing their own thing and uh, being respectful. But I, I remember, I just as soon as we got in the door, it was so ch- uh, shocking to see like these, I don't know, dozen of them, literally just screaming at the top of their lungs and jumping all over each other. Right. I, I thought, okay, I get Amazon now. Did we now. have mall cops when we were kids? Uh, I did, so you must have. Yeah. I remember just getting kicked out of the food court all the time. Right, we that's true. Hanging out there. They'd say to us, move around so we'd do circles. <laughs> we thought we were so funny. Every year around this time, we usually give this hint. When you're going to the uh, staff Christmas party, don't get too uh, creepy and touchy-feely around the boss's wife. Yeah, probably a good That's idea. Step one. Or the boss's husband. Don't don't get creepy or too touchy-feely with anybody in management. <laughs> Just Don't get too touchy-feely or creepy with anybody in your workplace. Right. You know, there's this weird divide because we're around each other so much. But it's business 99% of the time. And then you get together for these events where you're able to kind of let your hair down a little bit. You get a couple of drinks in you. You start getting a little too loose in the lips. A little bold. A little bold. Some people getting way too bold. And how often have you been at your Christmas party where you've looked across at somebody you work with and you've said to your husband or wife or significant other, Oh, Johnny's not going to feel good about this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny's coming with his head in a hung low yeah, on Monday morning. Awkward. Yeah. And it will uh, certainly for two guys who were at a Christmas party, both dressed up in character. One was the Grinch. One was Rudolph. So I'm going to assume they're not upper management. <laughs> <laughs> who broke it up, Santa? <laughs> they got into uh, a punch up. And it turns out, I guess, that the Grinch, and this would make sense, I guess, the Grinch was attacking the other employee who was uh, the reindeer. Right. We don't know why they started throwing punches, but it looks like the reindeer guy was just trying to defend himself. Gotcha. Yeah. We don't know what led to the fight, but alcohol was involved. (laughs) A shocking turn of events. Yeah. (laughs) 
I remember uh, as a as a young guy just getting into this business. I was probably eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, like as an intern and getting invited to the Christmas party. And this, you know, would have been like uh, early eighties, so a lot of the HR stuff wasn't in play yet. Right. Yeah. And I remember seeing like an upper management guy. This was a radio station. He was like a general manager or somewhere up the ladder, maybe the sales manager. And he's on the dance floor with his tongue right down the back of the throat of the, like, morning news woman. Oh, wow. And they weren't together as a couple. (laughs) (laughs) And they're basically dry humping on the dance floor. (laughs) Somebody's doing rails in the corner. It's a whole other world. You mean they're feeding you the news? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't see that much anymore. No. It was a time that radio station, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of different corporations that just go over the top. It's a great moment in uh, Bill Murray's Scrooged when he goes to the uh, staff Christmas party and it's just an opium den of smoke and alcohol and <laughs> people are doing the photocopies of their arse on the, the machine. I mean, it was just a different time. And uh, I remember going to parties that would start like on a Friday night and roll right through to Monday morning. Wow. Yeah. Let's go to somebody's place. Let's go here. Let's go there. You're running around downtown. I remember being at one. I can't remember what hotel it was downtown but there was this right in the main lobby this big escalator that went up to like the second floor where all the banquet rooms were gotcha and it's all decked out it's beautiful they got like you know 18 foot christmas trees everywhere and this one dude at the end of the night making his way to the escalator and could barely even get on the escalator that those stairs moving was too much for him to to coordinate (laughs) And then he stops for a second and then drops his guts, like no. barfs, <laughs> barfs right down the side no. over the railing of the escalator oh. to a big splat on beautiful Italian tile. <laughs> I didn't see him at the next party. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.